106.5 WFMP, this is Community Control Now, the show seeking democratic community control of public institutions with a particular interest in the U.S. policing apparatus. I'm your co-host, Vincent Gonzalez, slamming Cadillac doors, Michael T, man, say what's up to the people. What's up, my people? Right on, right on. Community Control Now, this seeks to end the rampant abuses by the state which greatly target persons of color and the economically disadvantaged. Community Control Now believes in all power to all oppressed people all over the world. For today's show, we're going to look at some new legislation put forth in the halls of Congress by Representative Cory Bush out of Missouri. It's a police alternative plan, uh, which is stated with the end goal of abolition. We're going to look at the different components to the plan, see if that fits into our overarching goal of community control now, and just see what uh, direction these movements are going in. Before we do that, my dear brother, man, how you holding up? I'm holding up, my brother. Trying to fight the power along with so many others. I can dig it. Right on. But... You've been on top of the thing um, since the last time we came in there and filmed. We uh, got some good feedback. Shout out to Jim Johnson, mm. who uh, some good feedback on our CRT episodes here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we are very appreciative of any and all feedback anybody all right. can give us. And, uh, we were down there at the uh, Central High School JCPS meeting. Yes. We uh, represented, spoke with uh, Gay Alderman and her forces, speaking out in favor of critical race theory. Mm-hmm. And um, when it was my turn to talk, one of those reactionary types started hollering. <laughs> and that's what made the news, among mm-hmm. other things, you know, this mm-hmm. local news yes. and how they do things. But I feel like our our forces are strong, Dr. Ricky Jones, shout out to him. Yes. And um, Gay, Barbara Boyd, and uh, our boy K.A., man, he came through. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, right on. Keep the struggle going on and the fight is very important. And it's, I know you've been keeping on top of, man, a lot of the the reactionary types, the conservatives among them, mm-hmm. uh, they're kind of wiping the egg off their face from the Capitol siege <laughs> uh, kerfuffle. Now they're uh, zooming in on this CRT thing, mm-hmm. so luckily we got some forces in town that are fighting the power. We need more, though. Yes, we do. Yes. Right on. Yeah, what we need is you, dear listeners here, join the fight and uh, make sure that justice is served in, in that regard, that our kids can uh, hear the truths in their uh, educational careers. Yes, because the truth will set us free. I can dig that. <laughs> yeah, right on. So, yeah, let's get into it. This is called the People's Response Act. Yes. Um, Now, before we do that, my brother, I just want to briefly uh, remind people, since it's been a few weeks, uh, since we dealt with the policing uh, piece of community control. um, But, uh, again, we are advocates of abolition. Yes, Abolishing the police as we know it. Yes. We know that the policing 
in the U.S., particularly in slave states like Kentucky, started out as slave patrols. Absolutely. And uh, after the end of slavery, supposedly, the uh, their duties expanded. Yes. Uh, to uh, supposedly public safety. Uh, and to make a long story short, that's supposedly yeah. where we are today. Yeah, you can check out episode <laughs> two of the podcast to get some more information. We that's our uh, history of policing. Yeah, episode is uh, really strong and a lot of uh, white supremacist clan ties in that setup here, which we know uh, to still be the case in so many ways. Yes. So that kind of lays the landscape of what we're faced with here in this country. Yes, and we maintain that on the question of public safety that the police are not really making us safe. Yeah. Which is why we need community control Uh because the police are in many cases, too many cases, part of the problem. So, you know, we advocate that as a transitional stage to abolishing policing altogether, the community needs to take democratic control over the policing yeah. apparatus. And uh, for review to our dear listeners, we are in favor of uh, Frank Chapman, the Chicago Alliance, mm-hmm. GAPA, uh, some forces out of Chicago. They have some legislation. It's uh, not one-to-one what they advocated for, but they are declaring this a uh, ongoing struggle that they've seen some progress in, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, advocating for uh, Frank and his forces. They got an eight-point plan. Um, I got that pulled up in front of me here. Mm-hmm. Direct election of all persons involved in the police department. Mm. Final authority over any uh, administrative matters. This is from a democratically elected body. Mm-hmm. So some of those uh, review boards that we see, the one we have in this here town, but with some actual power, uh, power, <laughs> power to the people here. Uh, power over disciplinary measures, the ability to hire and fire the chief. All this, you know, habeas corpus, due cause, open investigations, expanding the things you can investigate, uh, giving the people a say in the union contracts, mm-hmm. and then uh, no former law enforcement officers on the board here. So some pretty strong stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank and his forces got a few of those things yes. in their proposal, but as we all know, the struggle continues. So, yeah, we, we advocate for that model here. Uh you uh, did a lot of the research here for this uh, bill that uh, Cory Bush put up. Mm-hmm. Are there any parallels to, you know, one of the models we advocate for, uh, seeking abolition? Mm-hmm. Where, did you see any parallels to what we're advocating for and yes, what's yes. been put out? Yes, um, you know, and, and I see it as definitely part of that transition because uh, Representative Cory Bush, uh, who's a— Democrat uh, from Missouri, um, she is a uh, a um, a uh, explicit advocate of of uh, yes. abolition. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And I think that her recent bill called the People's Response Act, uh, uh, which she has written up, advances an inclusive, holistic, and health-centered approach to public safety by creating a public safety division. That's interesting. That she calls the Division of Community Safety within the Department of Health and Human Services and is being co-sponsored by 29 members of Congress and over 70 organizations. Yeah, and... If we toss the football around about this, mm-hmm. maybe we can be 71 here. Let's look at all the different angles with that. Yes. Um, but that's interesting because that's been an ongoing fight with uh, public health advocates, uh, many people believing that uh, community policing, community safety is a public health issue, just as this pandemic, yes. just as this um, sort of uh, socioeconomic, some of the uh, detriments that come from that is should be viewed in the lens of a holistic public safety approach, you know, having the, the resources necessary to stop these things. So, the, okay, so it sounds like they're in that sort of lens here. And mm-hmm. uh, what else are they advocating for here? Well, you know, she says that, uh, you know, this... Um This bill, uh, hopefully, will uh, create um, a situation where we can transform public safety into a system of care rather than criminalization and prevention rather than policing. Yeah. And that is so critical because it frames the whole idea of uh, policing in a whole new way. Yeah. So it sort of strips the sort of moralist, legalist lens and sort of zooms out a little more, looks at some of the social variants and different things, knowing that this country in particular is a white supremacist project, you know, froth through and and propagated through the, the blood of the indigenous persons. And, and the genocide that occurred mm-hmm. and the enslavement of African persons, mm-hmm. uh, both of those numbers in, in the high millions. Yes. And it also um, breaks with this notion, which I think is sociopathic, that um, it's all about the individual mm-hmm. and all about criminalization yeah. of people. When we know... First of all, that, you know, all individual rights, personal rights exist within the context of the collective, of the public. And you can't divorce the two, Mm -hmm. as some people try to do. And, um, you know, so much of what uh, they're calling crime are are really um, indications of the social antagonisms and social deprivations and inequities in the society. When people are hungry, when they're deprived of their basic needs, they're going to resort to breaking laws if they have to. Every social sociologist since the beginning of sociology has discerned this all over the world. You know, the crime rate 
is connected to the economic inequalities. Yes. So that policing on its head as a social force that, you know, has a militaristic approach, locking people up, using force if necessary, if if you tell it like it is, that's not going to cut it. You can't you can't arrest your way out of you know the social degradation that people have been faced with and how they respond to that trauma. Exactly. I mean, the U.S. has the highest rate of incarceration in the world, and yeah. has that solved the problem of crime? But yet, there's still people advocating for that. And again, I think much of that is driven, as you said earlier, uh, by white nationalism. I mean, because that white nationalist project, uh, and I know some people are upset to constantly hear this, but, you know, it's, it's clearly documented, um, is still in effect. It's still in effect, yeah. It never went anywhere. And because the most deprived and oppressed people are people of color... Yeah. There's a tendency to not care about the um, the welfare and the advancement of people of color, right? And this is what began when the system started. Uh, I remember um, I was reading something recently by one of my favorite um Thinkers, a woman named Angela Batalura, and she points out that, you know, with the creation of the White Nationalist Project, which was initiated to divide the multicultural labor force in, in the colonial period, um, in order to prevent the unity that was developing among the white laborers and indentured servants and the slaves and the uh, Native Americans. Um, they created a new bottom and they threw the indigenous people and the Africans in that new bottom, uh, brainwashed the white laborers into thinking they had more in common with the colonial leaders than the people at the bottom. And they had been at the bottom too. I mean, indentured servitude was just a step up from slavery. But they were able to be convinced that they had more in common with the colonial leaders than their oppressed red and black and brown brothers. And therefore, when they look at crime today, they're not looking at it from the position of creating any kind of uh, parity and equality and solving any of the problems of uh, inequities, they're looking at it in terms of maintaining white rule. Yeah, that's a, a principal contradiction, if you will, in the scope of the enforcement of these things. Before and some people are just outright sociopaths, I'm convinced. I think that's another thing that capitalism does, you know, for even those who may not consciously yeah. promote white nationalism, capitalism promotes this whole idea that I live in this world by myself. Yeah. I'm a self-made person. You know, I did all of this by myself. 
You know, I invented the natural world, which sustains me. I invented the social world, yeah. which I depend on. What's that? Dean Martin, man, that's a kick in the head. You know, and it, it, it's caused people to go mad, if you will, you know. Yes, and so, obviously untrue that is. Uh, before we uh, kick the can here on Corey Bush's plan, mm-hmm. I did want to remind our dear listeners, you are listening to 106.5 WFMP. This is Community Control Now. Vincent Gonzalez, Michael T. We're talking about the People's Response Act. Yes. This is a bill in Congress looking to create a public safety division under community, the Division of Community Safety under the Department of Health and Human Services, mm-hmm. so a more holistic approach to the problem of uh, community safety vis-a-vis policing. Yes gun violence, and other matters here. So yes. she's trying to launch a federal first responders unit mm-hmm. in state. So um, it, as we talked about in uh, episode two, when yes. we looked at the his- history of policing, there mm-hmm. is no federal mechanism that regulates all of these uh, big, small, and otherwise towns, mm-hmm. the police forces, their stories of guys one of those jokers that uh, busted into Breonna Taylor's apartment, mm. he was one of those bad apples who he hopped from another town and had some disciplinary actions. But that tells as old as the, the existence of these things. You know, some of these guys go around unregulated. Mm-hmm. And as we know, when persons uh, of that degree of power, when they're left to their own devices, mm-hmm. you know, uh, calamity ensues. Yes. So the, yeah. to having a federal first re- responders unit, mm-hmm. this is basically um, the feds are coming in. This is not a state's rights issues here. Yes. We are, we're talking about public health. And it says here they're providing $7.5 billion, so actual material resources, mm-hmm. in grant funding to state and local governments, licensed social workers, mental health counselors, substance use counselors, and peer support specialists, which that involves uh, another type of uh, mental health and or persons who have suffered with these uh, diagnoses, substance use, mental health diagnoses. Uh, they're on the ground mm-hmm. working with the response team. So it's a it's a collective, a holistic, yes. a holistic approach here. So yes. yeah, I so, thought about you with that when uh, when uh, I was looking at that, you know, because, I mean, this would fit into your expertise. Yeah. I mean, what? What can a social worker do? It's it's kind of a some of the more reactionaries on on the public safety uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. They they it's a big joke, <laughs> you know. Considering what can a mental health professional do to stop an active threat or any sort of person who's you know suffering with some of the the social ills that come with. Uh, these these things that our society has no remedy for mm-hmm. um it's you know they, they they they're not they they zoom in very much just looking at the moments of a threat not seeing like a, hol- a holistic approach which says before that threat began mm-hmm. what were the social safety nets and institutions in place yes to assist this person in the here and now mm-hmm. we're not seeing that in, in our current system here. So yeah. it sounds like this plan uh, seeks to address that a little more. 
Yeah, and I like the way that they're trying to pull together all of yeah. those different um, types of expertise. Yeah. And to utilize them in a different way. Because mm-hmm. like you said, you know, I mean, we have social workers and mental health yeah. counselors and all like that. And uh, the way they're set up now and, and uh, disconnected and everybody's got their own little niche. Yeah. It's not solving anything. And for what I gather from this, uh, Representative Bush is advocating to, you know, pull all of these people together. Yeah under this division of community safety, which will uh, be generated from the Department of Health and Human Services, um, and, uh, you know, try to, um, you know, really make some real progress. Now, in terms of full disclosure, I did see um, uh, one critique of that, of this bill, uh, which basically was concerned with the fact that the Department of Health and Human Services hasn't really handled the pandemic all that well. Yeah. And some people think that their PR department maybe uh, needs to kick in the turbo boost yeah, to get that so going. You know, di- hand up keys over to that. Yeah. So dialectically, we, yeah. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a legitimate criticism. I mean, would that be the department? that could handle this or what changes well, would have to be made in that department. Yeah, you would you, I would think so that uh perhaps a paradigm shift yes. of um couching, you know, we're going from this being a department of justice based issue to a different lens of public health, public safety and as it's structured if you have any sort of uh mental health background Mm -hmm. when you look at the organizational chart and the money that you receive to do your job the vast majority of any sort of social work social help type of jobs is uh, based in grant money federal grant money that's given to the state and the vast majority of those uh, it trickles all the way up to the department of health and human services so yeah where the money goes is where uh, the emphasis would be, and each department has their sort of uh, overarching lens in which they see that. So, ov- looking at everything we know, mm-hmm. we got about seven, eight minutes here. Mm-hmm. Would you say this is a step in the right direction? I think so. I mean, if no more from the fact that it, it, it like I said before, it reframes the issue as the whole idea of uh, community policing does. You know, and, and, and in a concrete way where, you know, uh, she's thought out, and I know, and I must say this, that, uh, you know, as communicators here on Forward Radio, we can't advocate for any particular bills. Uh, no, we so, can't. You know, but, I mean, we can bring it up and, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, we'll let the people decide what, yeah. what But we can't take a position, to that. Yeah. I, I'm told, one way or the other. I can dig it. But I, but I do think that um, this should get, conscious and conscientious people to really think about reframing the whole issue. I I think so. If you're serious about these things, you'd want to keep your eye on this. Now, if you're just out to get a job and go along with the status quo, and then meanwhile the, uh, the police will continue shooting us down and locking us up, but you'll have a nice job and you can rub shoulders with the powers that be, then you won't take this seriously. You won't take it seriously. But yeah. if you're serious, 
you'll look at this in a serious way. And any other proposals uh, with the intention of radically transforming, you know, not just tweaking around the edges, but radically transforming one of the major institutions that oppresses us and working class and poor people throughout this country, because this is real. You know? yeah. yeah, we're talking about people's lives. Live and direct. You know, and it's not even just the people who are directly victimized, but it's their families. I mean, people get locked up. Yeah. The whole family's affected. Person, person and environment. We exist in this inner working web of community, um, you know, families, the the authorized and organized forces beyond that, the unorganized uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. off-the-book forces. And so this uh, era of uh, which Mich- Michelle Alexander uh, astutely put as the new mm-hmm. Jim Cor- Crow, mm-hmm. mass incarceration and the social detriment that is caused to these communities here. Yes. I think we're going to need some 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 of our best minds on the case here to to dig us out of this mud and figure out uh, what the next steps are. It's going to cause evidence uh, based treatments and practices. It's going to cause, you know, we're going to need material resources to get in this because, you know, we're out here in the streets, man. You know, you can kind of feel it in the air a little bit. There is a a lot of things out here that are just you know there's there's no remedy in sight yeah to the persons yeah. in this town and uh, you know vis-a-vis the world yeah and this pandemic has just exacerbated it you know um so i mean something's got to be done and we got to look at this particular legislation and you know any other things that we see you know, have the potential to work. We just can't go on with business and incarceration and killings and yeah. murders as usual. Yeah. My my biggest uh, a question I raise is the titration of this money. So the grant funding comes mm-hmm. to states. How much autonomy mm-hmm. do these states get? Some of these more reactionary states. Mm-hmm. Um Kentucky, with our uh, Democratic uh, governor, maybe we don't meet that challenge. You know, we look at all we can go by is the precedence that was set, uh, namely in the Brianna Taylor case, where um, the governor, uh, from my analysis of his responses, was a very sort of hands off, you know. He mm. was um, very much wanted the attorney general's office to to do its due diligence, and I don't know if you get a reactionary attorney general's office, is that going to? Uh, are there any forces that can uh, push against that? Mm. You know, that's, so there's different questions. To be raised here. Yes. Let's let's do a part two here. Yes. We'll, we'll circle back around. Uh, let's look at does this uh, have a fighting chance yes. to, to be implemented? And let's look at some of the other responses. People uh, who are advocating for similar things. Um, mm-hmm. See if we got any social forces out here who can 
uh, push these things along if uh, we so determine that that's what we need. Mm-hmm. But um, wanted to close out. Do you know? Do you know about Black August? Yes. Okay. Right on, man. We are deep in Black August, and I um, I love that. You know, you always close out the show mm-hmm. with um, Free Leonard Peltier mm-hmm. and Mumia Abul Jamal. Yeah. Yeah, ex Black Panther. Yeah, I'm man. Send a kite to those brothers, man. Um, your sacrifice was not in vain. Yes. And um, you know, we we fight for the liberation of all oppressed people, wherever they may lie. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Right on. Struggle continues. Part two coming up. Yes, sir.